For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We have a new style of show today where we want to debate some of the biggest questions surrounding the New England Revolution. I'm Greg Johnston. Joining me today is Seth McComer of the Bent Musket. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Uh, the Bent Muffin is actually a restaurant that we're thinking about opening, but currently we write for the Bent Musket. It sounds like a great brunch spot where a soccer-themed uh, brunch spot where you can go and kind of have a good pregame meal. This is kind of a new style, Seth. You and I have been talking about this for a little bit where we kind of, separate from our normal weekend post-game shows, we kind of take a little bit of extra time and we go into the bigger questions. Each of us take a side, not necessarily the side that we believe with that are our actual opinions, but we kind of take a side, kind of lawyer up, and kind of debate the hell out of it. So this is a little bit topical with the revolution or signing Giacomo Veroni. I think I am saying that correct. We are recording this shortly after this news was broken, but uh, we wanted to kind of cover if the revolution are making the correct call signing a forward as the next designated player, if that is the right decision, if this is the right guy. Seth, I believe you are taking the side of yes. I am taking the side of no. These are not necessarily uh, our stances, so you might hear me say something different uh, on one of our normal weekly uh, post-game podcasts. But for the sake of debate, uh, Seth will be taking yes, I'll be taking no. Before we begin, I wanted to let everyone know this episode is sponsored by Galasso Kits. Be sure to check them out at galassokits.com and save 15% off your order by using promo code REVSRECAP. And this show is also brought to you by our friends at The Rebellion. Go check out anyrebellion.org for more information about how you can become involved with supporter culture uh, and how you can possibly become a member. Uh, and of course, follow us, Revolution Recap, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also reach out to us at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Follow Seth at SethMan31 on Twitter and follow The Bent Musket at The Bent Musket on Twitter and www.thebentmusket.com for year-round coverage. Uh, Seth, go ahead and give it to me. You think this is a good move. Why? Veroni is absolutely the striker that the New England Revolution needs. Keep in mind how good Adam Buxa was in this league. The 6-3 striker had 29 league goals, 11 of them scored with his head. So obviously he's all good with his feet, able to move things around, and he is a target striker. Unfortunately for the Revolution, an offer came in that was too good to pass up, and now Buxa is gone. He is in France, and there is a hole that they need to fill at that target striker position. And guess who they brought in? A 6-3 striker from Europe. Sounds a little familiar. Okay, we've seen in recent weeks Gustavo Bell play as the target striker, as a lone striker. Um, sometimes he pairs with uh, Josie Altidore, and it just doesn't really work that well. I think Gustavo Bell is a very, very good striker. He's good with his movement. He's able to drop into space, but he's not the target man. And as a result, the Revolution's outside backs just aren't being the weapons that they need to be. They're not getting forward. They're not pumping in the crosses. They're often finding Adam Buxa, and the game is playing 
being played in a little bit different of a way because uh, Bo is dropping in. He's going out to wide areas. There's not that person in the middle that can hold the ball up, win fouls, and be that target, especially on set pieces. So I gave you that stat before where Adam Buxa had 11 of his 29 league goals in MLS with his head. Well, Gustavo Bo only has one. I mean, that tells you quite a bit about who the revolution want to be and who the revolution need. And in my opinion, Veroni is that perfect target striker, um, a young striker they can mold a little bit that's going to put the ball into the back of the net. See, I don't see this necessarily as a, is he the right guy? I'm not sold on him being the right guy overall, but I think this designated player spot should have been used in the midfield. Since Adam Buxa has left, we have seen the Revs play with two strikers and, and then back to their 4-2-3-1, which they've played in previous years. And they look a lot better in the 4-2-3-1 with Gustavo Bo as the lone striker. I think this DP spot would have been better if you had a solid midfielder that you could pair with Matt Polster or maybe even a winger uh, that you could put on the other side of Barrero. I think there's a lot of questions with this central midfield right now. Matt Polster certainly had a great season last year. I don't know if he's having as strong a season this year. And obviously with his concussion issue, we're not sure when he's going to be coming back. Please also remember this was recorded on July 1st. So if Matt Polster is back, uh, please do not make fun of me. But uh, you have Matt Polster dealing with his concussion. Uh, Tommy McNamara is a yellow card uh, merchant. It seems like uh, Wilfred Captoom has been playing okay, but he doesn't seem to be the guy. So I think there's a lot of questions in the central midfield, whereas up top you have Gustavo Bo, uh, who, who's been great ever since they acquired him. And I think going back to a two-striker system and trying to find a Adam Buxa light, uh, you know, we don't know how good he's going to be coming into this league, making the adjustment mid-season to uh, America. We saw Adam Buxa didn't have the best debut season for the Revolution. Uh, is Veroni going to have similar issues as well? So I, I think there's going to be some questions there as well. And I, I think if you look at where the Revolution should have used these resources and committing to a designated player spot, I think there would have been a lot more value going out and getting someone to solidify the midfield as opposed to getting another forward where they already have committed a lot of assets to. Well, I think the beauty of Veroni is that he's a uh, U23 DP, a young DP, we believe, which opens up the ability to bring in young uh, initiative, U22 initiative players that can solidify other areas. Uh, in my opinion, did I say that wrong? Oh, well, no, I was just going to say Tom Bogert actually just replied on earlier today on Twitter that he is not a, U, uh, a young DP. He's actually turning 24 later this season, so he does not qualify as a uh, young designated player, so the Revs aren't going to be able to use two more U22 slots. Regardless, what a great ability to find a young player that they can move on later on. Uh, keep in mind that the Revolution sold Matt Turner on. They sold uh, Tejan Buchanan on. They sold uh, Adam Buxa on. This is another ability to find a talented uh, player that's going to develop in this league. Uh, you know, someone that Juventus picked up in 2020 and, and kind of th saw potential in him. He's ability to find goals in the Austrian league is, is going to translate to major league soccer. And that's going to be something that you're able to sell on later on. So even though he is not a young DP, according to Tom Boger, I think the idea of bringing him in and, and, and seeing talent and seeing investment is going to pay off quite a bit. In my opinion, one of the, the, the difficult things that you have is to find a, a striker with pedigree and they found their guy here. The other position that you mentioned, a position like the defensive midfield, the defensive, uh, the, a center back position, perhaps, maybe that's something that you can do more internally within the league. Uh, we know that Bruce Arena has contacts. We know that Bruce Arena knows individuals. So maybe he finds those individuals within the league as opposed to going abroad um, and, and finding them that way. Because in the past, when he's 
bringing in those international players, it hasn't worked out quite as well. You know, Wilfred Captoon, obviously starting recently, but a lot of people have been uh, questionable about his ability. Uh, on our Tristan, the same thing. In the past, we've seen center backs come in and not really adjust to major league soccer, thinking about like an Antonio Delamea, for example, or a, a Michael Mancien. So for the Revolution to have success at that number nine position, um, it, I think it's a good idea to go international and find the, uh, the right piece to bring in uh, develop him more, make him into the, what they want him to be, and then you're able to sell him on for more money where you're probably not going to do that at a center-back position or a defensive midfield position because the, the, the attacking positions get more attention abroad. And if you're able to develop this player and he's able to give you a few good seasons, then you're able to move that. One other thing I want to recognize before uh, I move on from that is that you talked about transitioning to this league. I think that's why it's a perfect time to bring this individual in because if he hits this year, then great. All of a sudden, the second half of the season, you have a, a striker who is putting the ball in the back of the net in good form and you're heading into the playoffs and everyone knows that anything can happen in the playoffs. If it doesn't hit, um, during this season, then he's going to feel more comfortable next year. So I think you need to bring in a player right now so that uh, the window of winning a championship is this year, next year, maybe beyond that, but we're probably looking at the next two years. You need that adjustment period. Uh, so if he doesn't hit this year, he hopefully has a good offseason, a good preseason, and he's hitting on all cylinders come next season. Yeah, and well, the one thing, though, that you're saying here is that this might be a move for profit. This might be a great move down the road, and that's great. But Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo, they're no spring chickens. They're in their prime right now. This is the time for the revolution to strike. You don't want to look forward to a season or two. The window really is open right now. So I think bringing in a guy, if he doesn't adjust right away, if he isn't hitting his stride by the playoffs, that's a very, very big loss. And then you have these other questions behind the front line, in the midfield, in the back line, that you, you just you know, you still need to address. So this might be a complete bust. Um, and we look at adjusting to MLS, not just coming over from Europe, but if you look at his record, obviously he had a great season this past year in the uh, Austrian Premier League uh, with WSG Tyrol. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but he had 19 goals in 28 games. If you look at before that, his goal scoring record is very, very bare. He's, he went on loan in Serie C in 2017, 2018. Uh, he scored eight goals there, but outside of that, uh, from what I can see, here he scored three goals it seems like above Serie C uh, before this past season so is his success in the Austrian Premier League going to translate to MLS right away is this the guy that is going to maximize your chances of winning MLS Cup in 2022 I'm not so sure about that I'm not so sure that this is the guy to come in and make an impact on day one um, and, and so certainly I think this is a great investment I think the transfer fee is very reasonable very very low certainly they had a big amount of money to go and get a, a big player they could have spent 10 million dollars if they wanted they just sold players for seven million seven million and ten million uh going out and buying a guy for 3.6 million dollars you know obviously they're looking at this from the financial side of things but if you're looking on the on-field side of things i think they could have gone out splurged a little bit more get maybe someone who's a little bit more seasoned and is going to be more of a sure bet for 2022 I i'm not so concerned about later down the road i'm sure in two or three years this guy's going to pan out i'm not necessarily saying this is a bad signing long term or they won't profit but i think in terms of are the revs a much better team to win MLS Cup in 2022 with him on the team. I'm not so sure about that. I think when you look at the the 
positions of center back and defensive midfielder, uh, we've seen that the Revolution have looked better in those areas of, of late. Uh, we know that the, defensively the back line struggled with some injuries and was able to get their, their full um, personnel out there. But I think the Revolution have figured things out a little bit. Uh, Henry Kessler is, is, by the time you listen to this, probably back on the field. Uh, we know that Bruce Arena called him the best defender on the Revolution. Uh, even before that, John Bell has proven to be a pretty good option. That he's His athleticism, his jumping ability has been pretty solid. So I think that that clears itself up a little bit. Uh, the defensive midfielder position, of course, uh, Matt Polster is a little bit of a question mark, having sustained some head injuries in the past. Uh, but obviously, when he's on, he's one of the best um defensive midfielders in this league when someone that's pretty underrated and there's other options there and like I said you know there's ability to go out there and try to add other people within the league maybe like someone like Latif Blessing someone who knows the league and understands the MLS lifestyle as opposed to a, a, a someone abroad who's going to come in and maybe not quite understand it uh, I think the biggest thing you need is was a striker I think that you needed someone who's a prototypical number nine, who's able to put the ball in the back of the net, who's going to be a target for Carlos Hill's set piece. If you watch any Revolution game right now, you see Gustavo Bo lurking outside the box when there's a set piece because that's what he's good at, shooting from long range. Um, so you need someone who's going to, to actually put the ball into the back of the net. At 6'3", um, he's going to be able to do that. He's going to be able to head that in, and that's going to make – you know, Dwan Jones and Brandon Bide, especially Carlos Heel, much happier in certain moments. Uh, so I think that you needed to find that striker, that typical number nine, to, to make that revolution soccer uh, style really try to work and not have to reinvent the wheel completely. Because I think with Gustavo Bo, yeah, you're obviously showing things up defensively because your, your formation's changing, but you're seeing that the revolution has to change their attack. They have to focus more on, you know, running off of the, the, the striker and filling in different spaces as opposed to knowing that there's a hold-up striker in the middle of the field uh, that's going to win you fouls. It's going to hold up the ball, relieve pressure, and then, of course, put the ball in the back of the net. When I look at his stats from the Austrian league, you go through and you can see that he's scoring with his left foot, he's scoring with his right foot, he's scoring with his head. He's scoring a lot of goals from inside the box. That's what the Revolution need, and that's going to allow someone like Gustavo Bo to, to do what he does, lurk around, hit those long-range shots, uh, and hopefully find that same type of chemistry that the Revolution had when Adam Buxa was there. I just want to add, too, his height seems to be in dispute. I'm not sure what the correct number is here. Uh, I, I think Transfer Market, Market has him as 6'2". Uh, Wikipedia has him as 5'11". His Tinder profile has him at 6'4". I'm not sure what the correct height is, but if you watch his highlight reel, Adam Buxa is just seems to be a bigger, stronger presence who's more dominant in the air. Not to say that Veroni isn't a, good in the air, but he doesn't strike me as a complete Adam Buxa replacement. Uh, Buxa just seemed like a bigger body that could get up and and, and kind of head him home. So I'm not completely sold on him replacing Buxa and playing exactly in the similar format as Buxa. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there as well. And I also want to just kind of address the the Max Tam player in the room. Josie Altador was is here. I mean, he obviously has got a bunch of resources tied to him. I know TFC is paying a percentage of his salary, but, you know, he was brought in as basically Buxa insurance, um, you know, I feel like this move is giving up on Josie Altidore. I think he needed a few more starts, maybe kind of build it up. I understand we kind of are making jokes about his fitness and all that, but if you look at last season with TFC, he scored four goals in 767 minutes. That's point 
four seven goals per ninety minutes. That's not a bad rate. Uh, so so he he I think a lot of people are writing him up as washed up. I understand he's at a slow start here in Foxborough, but he can contribute as a bench player or a spot starter potentially over the next few games. And if he regains his fitness and he gives you let's say five goals, five six goals the rest of the season, uh, I could see Josie Althador kind of making himself a bit of a factor in this team. And I think by bringing in Veroni, you're essentially demoting Josie back to a backup, regressing him into a bench role permanently. And I'm not, again, I'm not totally sure that, you know, you want to write off Josie outdoor this much, especially with committing so many resources to Bo, Josie, and now Veroni, you're committing a lot of resources to one position. So uh, I, I think Josie Altidore needed a few more weeks before they made a move like this. Uh, and I, I think, as I say, if Altidore comes out before Veroni is settled in with the team and he starts making an impact, you have too many cooks in the kitchen kitchen up there in the, the in the forward position. I mean, I, I never thought we'd be sitting here complaining about having too many attackers for the New England Revolution. I think that whenever you look for if you want, whenever you have an ability to upgrade, you should be upgrading. And I think that uh, with with Josie Altador, um, he's still a month away from full fitness, and that goes for whenever you listen to that. That statement still holds true. Um, so obviously, his his ability to get on the field is a little bit questionable. And, and and if he does get on the field and start doing things, then it gives you one more weapon off of the um, the bench or as a starter. And I think for the New England Revolution, this is a team that um, when you look at the bench. Maybe there aren't as many options as you might want, especially heading into the home stretch or a game changer in the playoffs. So if all of a sudden Josie Altador is hitting on all cylinders, you can maybe start him and, and move somebody else on the bench and bring them on later. Or maybe he's the guy that comes on late and you you feel really confident that he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. In terms of formations, too, just want to kind of go back to that. Um, if Veroni comes over here and he ends up being a, a, a very good number nine, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to switch to a 4-4-2. We have seen times this year that Gustavo Bo plays an outside midfield position. I don't think that's his best position. I think that he's he's best as a second striker. But if, but we have some question marks about you know who lines up where, and if all of a sudden you're moving Sebastian Legette into the center of the midfield to play alongside um, Matt Polster, you're putting Barrero on side, Bo on the other side, and Veroni up top. I mean, there's a lot of attacking elements right there, a lot of good passers on the team. Um, so I think there's things that you can play with and don't necessarily uh, immediately shift to a 4-4-2. I think it's very likely they do shift to a 4-4-2, but I think that it's important to recognize that there are options. And, and it's good to have as many options as possible as you head towards winning that elusive MLS Cup. Well, it'll be very interesting to see. And by the way, while we're talking about options, I think we also just need to give a shout out to the all-time leading scorer at Revolution 2, Justin Rennix. He's still there. Uh, what happens with Justin Rennix uh, with this signing too? Uh, I mean, now we're never going to unlock his potential. So I, I think that's worth noting. But uh, I, w to avoid redundancy, I'm just going to go back to making the leap from the Austrian Premier League uh, to MLS. I'm not sold that this is going to be uh, pay dividends in 2022. I, I see this more as a long-term move. Uh, and I would have rather have made a near-term move. Uh, you know, I, I understand they're probably not going to lure uh, Gareth Bale on a TAM contract to Foxborough, but uh, I, I certainly think the Revs could have done better with this signing. So, Seth, uh, any any final thoughts before uh, I conclude here today? No, I think that the, everything's pretty well covered there. I think that the Revolution have decided that they're going to be a, a team that buys players uh, with potential and turns them into uh, players that they can sell on and, and in the uh, interim between those two things, you have a player who's going to contribute to the New England Revolution. And I think Veroni is the perfect individual to contribute to the New England Revolution.
Well, that wraps us our debate. Who won? Uh, let us know on our Revolution Recap Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages at Revolution Recap. You can leave a comment or send us a private message. You can also email us at revolutionrecap at gmail.com and let us know who you think won today. Also, we would love to hear topics you'd like to hear discussed in the future. And if you liked this format and want to hear more of it, uh, please be sure to support our podcast by subscribing and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. Every review helps. So please help us out a little bit by leaving us a review. And if you would like to support us further, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash revolution recap also be sure to support our friends at galasso kits at galasso kits.com uh, please be sure to use promo code revs recap for 15 percent off your order there and be sure to check out the rebellion any rebellion.org uh, to learn more about supporter culture and how you could become a member and also thank you to seth for joining us today you can follow him at sethman 31 on twitter or follow his work at www.thebentmusket.com thank you everyone for listening and until then until next time go revs Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.